0: On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms.
1: They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man is Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leinster have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored, number two for him!
0: Well, the Champions Cup quarter-final weekend did not disappoint as we were treated to two cracking games on Saturday. Leinster. March on to the Champions Cup semi-final where they will face Toulouse after a very impressive victory at Welfare Road after they opened up a 20-0 halftime lead over the English league leaders. Toulouse booked their final four place in the most dramatic of all circumstances, beating Munster in a penalty shootout at the Aviva Stadium following a 24-all draw on Saturday afternoon. It was an absolutely cracking atmosphere there. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast. Will Saturday here with Luke Vestrel as always. Luke, you know, we talked it up quite a bit last week and God, it did not disappoint. We, what a weekend of rugby that was.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable. Wasn't it? And uh, a bit of a throwback to, to Leinster's uh, 2009 that year, uh, that Leinster won the Heineken cup with the semi-final, the Cardiff Leicester, um, kicking, uh, kicking battle, uh, in the Munster to lose game. Really, really tough way for Munster to go out. I really felt for them. I thought there was a huge performance. I thought there was loads of things that they can be very proud of. Um, you know, I thought it, it's still an opportunity to miss. I thought some of the kicks and things like that—they probably, you know, could have gone over. I thought their defense was an area where I still think they can. There's, there's, there's scope for growth in that area. Uh, you know, too many missed tackles. We we'll probably talk a little bit more in depth about that game later on. But yeah, brilliant game of rugby. Hard to to tear your eyes away from. A real throwback to what I would remember about the the, the Heineken Cup knockout stages um and yeah I mean the other one that really stands out was probably the uh Leinster Leicester one that was an impressive win as you mentioned Welford Road it's really really difficult place to go I think Leicester are very difficult to beat there have a very very strong home record again I think it's what they've built this new resurgence on is, is that really impressive home form so um they never got out of the blocks really uh in the first half I mean as you alluded to uh you know, 20 nil at halftime. It looked like it was a foregone conclusion. They fought back well in the second half and Leinster will have some, uh, a bit of food for thought. I think some areas to work on probably a good thing um, because it was in the tight exchanges and, you know, they're going to have a massive challenge this weekend against Toulouse. Um, But I think overall, if you look at mean, some of Leinster's key guys kind of, they were, I thought they managed them off the pitch, you know, reasonably early. I think they were able to do that. Um, and I think, you know, they did finish the game in the Leicester 22 with a pretty much a gilt edged opportunity. It looked like they they kind of threw that one away. So, yeah, it was a strong, strong start and a, you know, reasonably strong finish. And they did enough. And they were clinical at times in that second half, too. They looked like a team who are, you know, comfortable and, and looked like they, you know, they have all the makings of a champion side, I think, uh, albeit with two massive challenges to come if they, if they achieve that. But, um, yeah, impressive win uh, from, from Leicester and, and some great games, some really great games. Yeah, we're going to get into them in a
2: bit more depth today. We're delighted to have
0: Keen Tracy back on the show. Keen, how are things?
2: All good, lads. Great weekend of rugby. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, looking forward to chatting about it. Yeah, it certainly delivered on the
0: hype. You know, there was a lot to look forward to between the Leinster and the Munster game. And we got two crackers uh, last Saturday. We might start with the winners, uh, Leinster, who go on to play Toulouse this Saturday at the Viva Stadium already. A lot of tickets sold for that, which is good to see, given how great the atmosphere was on Saturday between Munster and Toulouse. But you were over in Welford Road. We discussed it with you at length last week. You know the damage was done in that first half. Twenty nil up at half time against the league leaders in the Premiership is some going in a stadium where they hadn't been beaten in over a year. I think. You know, for you, what did the damage in that first half? Why were
2: Leinster so dominant? How did they build that score? They were bloody good, I thought. Um, I know they were really impressive in the previous round of 16 game at Uviva against Connacht, but I thought this was next level altogether, particularly against uh, the quality of opposition. I will say I, I, when we were chatting last week, I do think it came true that we saw the premiership is not what it's, it's, all, it's all hyped up to be. And I think we saw further evidence of that, but I wouldn't take anything away from leinster's particularly first half performance i mean you mentioned it there will they hadn't been leicester hadn't been beaten there all season leinster had actually only won one of their previous four four times playing there so um there there, there was there was so much at stake and i I had to laugh actually because i know luke um every time we mention welford road brings up how they used to you know flood the dressing rooms or whatever they actually i don't know if you saw it but they they actually did that for the warm-up for the pitch so i couldn't stop laughing um we were there quite early because we went to to watch the, the Munster game, um, obviously, which was, I mean, if you could have been in two places at once, if ever it was, that was the time, but basically Leicester had really heavily watered the side of the pitch where Leicester were warming up, um, which was gas. So whatever way the toss went, uh, Leicester were playing up to the opposite end, if that makes sense, but... At one stage in the first half, I don't know if you you remember, but George Ford like slipped as he was going to catch yeah, the ball. Catch
1: a high ball, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was
2: that was a decided a pitch that they had watered really uh, heavily. So when when I saw that and Leo Cullen was kind of laughing about it afterwards, I thought of you, Luke, when you were saying that you, they used to do that to the dressing room. So um, look, like Lenser had to overcome a lot, but I thought they were seriously, seriously impressive. I, like I was making the point last week that I always felt that. Leicester were Were going to look To take the game To Leicester up front And while They did have a couple of issues In the second half Which I'm sure we'll get onto um, I thought they were More than able to, to handle that And were actually Like clearly better Than the added And then like we said Their backline was, was Superior as well So they were really well-armed, I think, for the kick-heavy approach that Leicester were always going to bring. I think they were really clever in how they went about it. It was like so noticeable that they constantly kept two in the backfield, uh, whether it was Hugo Keenan and James Lowe or Hugo Keenan and Jimmy O'Brien. So what that did was it just allowed them to counter-attack. And you think back to the first try um, that Josh van der Fleer scored, that actually came off um, a counter-attack, which was a brilliant move down the left-hand side of the pitch. with. James Lowe, I don't know if it's a Kiwi thing or what, but James Lowe and James and Gibson Park just have this intuitive understanding with each other that they know when each other is about to go. And Hugo Keenan did brilliantly to, to take the catch and the, the two lads, Gibson Park and Lowe, just linked brilliantly up the left. So that, to me, just showed a team who was seriously well-prepared. Like We'd heard that like Stuart Lancaster had been running him into the ground over the last couple of weeks. And you'd have to say that the, the planning around the South Africa trip Paid off hugely because Leinster got what they wanted over there, and they certainly got what they wanted in Welford Road. So, um, like they had, they had a couple of issues. Like the scrum was an issue, but like I don't know if that was because Reynal was the ref again. And I know we spoke about this last week as well. That you know he was the ref from Twickenham and. I don't know, was it in his head as well? Because Leinster obviously conceded a few scrum penalties, and that's a position of strength you'd have to say for Toulouse, particularly when you look at the damage that they did to the Munster Scrum last weekend. So and I thought the mall defense as well is something that's gonna to have to really improve um both of Leicester's tries in the second half actually came off Leicester getting plenty of joy from from the mall. So there are a couple of issues that they'll need to improve, but I think It was like my feeling having been in the ground at halftime, they were 20 nil up. Like I genuinely thought that Leinster could seriously pull clear even further. I know Leicester were always going to have a bit of a purple patch, but I think it was probably a blessing in disguise that they didn't because they, you know, they saw a couple of areas that they need to work on. They didn't know and really got carried away at the full time whistle. So I think all in all, it was a really, really professional performance and I don't think the, the scoreline in the end actually reflected how, how dominant Leinster were And it's
0: the second year in a row Luke that Leinster have gone to the league leaders in England, they did it to Exeter last year at the same stage and you know produced a really comprehensive performance what, what kind of jumped out to you, Keen touched on a few things there but from your perspective what kind of ultimately swung at Leinster's way?
1: I thought Leinster were very poor in the first half their handling, their handling uh, skills were, were way off, they looked like the occasion kind of got to them and um, I thought Lencer were very clinical and they pounced on every mistake that that um Leicester made. And I even felt like there was a few occasions where they kind of I say they were fairly clinical. There was a few occasions where they could have even put more pain on them. Feels like that doesn't feel right maybe complaining about going to Leicester and being 20 points up at halftime and saying still could have been more because it was still a really clinical performance. Um so I was really pleased for them and yeah, look, I mean, I was looking at their substitutions, you know, and, like, there's lots of guys kind of came off pretty early, um, you know, so I think I'd be kind of cautious enough about being too critical of them. The only thing I would be worried about, again, is that heavy to lose pack, like we saw what they did to that monster scrum. Now, I don't think Leinster will get, you know, as badly exposed in that area, I think, just by virtue of how good the, the front rows are there. But I think the weight in the second rows will just, it will tell at some points, um, well, the only thing I would say is that I think they play a better. They're they're Leinster are better than Munster are playing a faster game, and I think Munster showed that that's the way you play that pack. Um, the only issue is Toulouse have a very good strong bench, so you might not, you know, you know, you might tire a few guys out, but you're going to have to. You know, the last 15 20 minutes are going to be pretty tough for because they'll be bringing on some good guys. But uh, there's a blueprint for kind of troubling both teams from both matches. I think. Um, interesting to see. Like, I don't think Leinster will make as many backline defense errors as Munster did for the tries. I mean, I think Munster will look at it and go, you know what? That was a bad one to let in. Um, even though they were under the caution, a few of them, I think there was a few occasions where they'd be disappointed with their defense. I don't think Leinster will be as bad in that area. Um, but I think they'll still have trouble with the mall. I think they'll still have trouble with the scrum. Uh, it's a huge, huge second row pairing uh, and massive front row that, that Toulouse have. That it is very difficult to contain. And we saw what, like, you know uh, La Rochelle did to Leinster last year at this stage and what that, that, that Saracen's pack have done to Leinster on a couple of occasions too. So I think this is a massive test for them. Um, I think if they can get through this one, I think they'll have another massive test and there'll be all the areas that we've been a little bit concerned about with Leinster. To come back to the match and not to be looking too far ahead, I, I did think they were very clinical. I mean, I think, um, you know, Johnny Sexton was outstanding in that first half. Um, you know, I think barely put a foot wrong. He's so good in the big games. And Leinster's front line, that that Sexton Henshaw Ringrose front line is so they're so difficult to break down and physical. Like when the team is humming and the pack are playing well, those guys seem to put the team in great positions. Um, and they're very hard to contain because they're all physical, they all make good decisions, they can all ball handle. Um, and they're a real they're a real difficult kind of nut to crack. I think, and Toulouse will have their hands cut out uh, tr- trying to beat them. So, very good performance stuff to work on, as Keen said. Probably might work in their favour. Um, but I think they look at that Toulouse team and think there's there's areas where they can attack too.
0: Keen, you know, Leinster for the first time, you know, they're dealing with going from a quarters into a semi final. Traditionally, you'd be like a three week gap, and you'd have a lot of time to prepare and decide on your team selection. You know, what way what, do you think Leinster will approach the team selection? Do you, do you expect them? Because if you look at the team, it, it's a very settled team now. Like It's like the Ireland front row, the Ireland back row, halfback center is basically the back three. A lot of those guys are pretty much nailed on, even though the, the strength and depth gets talked about a lot. Like, I, I find it hard to see too many changes being made, even though ideally you might like to rotate maybe one or two guys from the bench into the starting team. How, how do you see them going in that direction?
2: I'd be shocked if there was any changes. I mean, you could look at a guy like Reese Ruddock, who's always good against the French teams, but I just don't see them, you know, upsetting that back row, who were really good. I thought Caden Doris was outstanding as well again last weekend. He's just so good at getting you over the gain line. And we we did flag this last week as well. James Ryan's James Ryan's return was absolutely massive. It was actually First of all, it was amazing he played so well after having such a long layoff. But when you take that separately, I actually thought it was one of his best performances in such a long time. I mean, the 2 lineout steals were the highlights, but he was so good defensively as well. The Henshaw try, did you see his clean-out for the Henshaw try? I think it was on Tyg Furlong's on
1: his right side. Like It was, it looked mm. so strong. It was a brilliant clean-out. Then it was basically, it looked like a walk-in, but really it was because of a good carry by Furlong, but a great clean out by, by Ryan. Jeez, he's so yeah. like, when he's on form and he's doing the simple things in his head, you know, and he executing them, he's still brilliant, isn't he?
2: They're the, they're the kind of things that do go and notice you're dead right to flag it because that's what he's so good at. And I felt like over the last couple of years, maybe he was being asked to do too much of everything rather than letting him actually be good at what he is. And I think when you have a Ross Maloney in there as well, like they complement each other well, but I do think I agree with Luke fully. It's a massive test going up against this Toulouse pack in an area that, you know, they have been caught short clearly because that's why they're bringing in a guy like Jason Jenkins next season. But I thought being there, it was like Welford road is such a class stadium because even from the press box, you're really close to the action and you get like a real kind of strong sense of what it's like. But I was really impressed by the actual physical and, conditioning of the Leinster players I just thought they looked I know Robbie Henshaw has missed a lot of rugby this season and it's easy to kind of pick him out but god he looked in serious nick I thought the same with Sexton and like just they just looked like they were home and it didn't look like you were coming to the end of a long season and I think to go back to your your question Will I think that would really stand to them look we know that Leinster have the luxury of being able to kind of play these guys when they do but They've earned the right to do that. They're top of the URC and their other, their other, their, their second string team or wherever you want to play it, are playing really well as well. So, um, I don't see them changing too much at all this weekend. Obviously, they've got a couple of injury concerns. That Jimmy O'Brien, Keane Healy, and Johnny Sexton came off, but he's, I think, he'll be absolutely fine. I think it was just blood. So, um, even a guy like Ross Byrne came on and was real calm and kind of seeing out the game as well. So, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll change too much. But I think they will need to tighten up a couple of the areas that I mentioned earlier.
0: Luke, just to touch on James Ryan in a little more depth, because obviously he's had his you know injury problems. You know, be it concussion or there was over the COVID period, he's had other you know injuries that have kept him out. And then even there's been some form issues. Like you go back to 2018 when Leinster did the double and how influential he was in basically his first proper season. You know, to get him back to form, like it's an interesting kind of time in his career isn't it you know a few weeks ago we were talking about Jacob Stockdale they were part of the same 120s team about a guy who kind of lost his place a little bit for a while and now James Ryan maybe similarly with the injuries in the form line like he hasn't probably been as good as he was at the start but if he can get back to where he was he's such an asset to have
1: yeah I think so you know look I'd say Leinster were quite a bit ahead of the opposition at the time that he came into you know you know that first season I think they're probably closer to the pack now even you know there might be a nose ahead now but so so it's a bit more of a challenge for him um what i would say is i think i felt like he was probably trying and it wasn't actually that i thought he was being asked to do too much i think he took on too much himself i think he was trying to like the amount of penalties that he was giving away um like it's always my biggest um thing with the toge getting all the praise that he does he can be he is such a good player. Brilliant. I think Ryan's in a similar mold, gets through unbelievable amount of work, etc. But when they have a bad day, I felt like they're trying a little bit too hard to make the game come to them. Um or sorry, take the game by the scruff of neck versus letting the game come to them a little bit. Um and, and picking their moments. And I thought he was a, there was a period where he was kind of giving away a lot of silly penalties just for just like almost trying too hard to make an impact on the game. Whereas really Someone like him, I felt like it was the amount of work he was getting through and he, every bit of work that he got through, whether it was a centimeter forward, he was going in a carry or a centimeter back, he was sending someone someone back in a tackle or whatever it was. I felt like that was what his real value was versus kind of like big moments. You get one or two of them. That's great. Um, but they kind of come to you. I thought he was chasing those things, but I think he looks a bit more settled now. I think he's in a good position, hopefully injury permitting, to to kick on and have a great tour in the the summer, provided he stays injury-free. But I think to have a big impact with this Leinster team to close off the season, I think he's really, really important to the team, actually. Um, You know, Fardy gone, uh, you know, you've got uh, Dev Toner, probably you know, he's on the way out, really. Um, after a glittering career, but um, Ryan has to step into that uh void, and yeah, I mean, he hasn't been around, I suppose, but I think he's well able for it, and I think. Um he doesn't need to try anything too much or like too far out of his comfort zone to have a really big impact on games and to be the player that we know he can be. And I think we saw parts of that on the weekend at different points. And I think it's a great foundation for him to kick on. And, and as I say, really be important and key guy for Leinster at the, the end of the season.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Marrow I told you that uh, so I was watching the Sarsons Gloucester Challenge Cup quarter final on, on Friday night. And Keane, you mentioned earlier the premiership and the standard of it. It's like worth remembering that Sarsons have been kind of gone for two years and they're still a very formidable team. I, I'm really interested to see when they do return to the Champions Cup next year, maybe even play Leinster again for, you know, the fourth match they played over the last couple of years, potentially. But they're still a very formidable outfit. I will be interested to see how they kind of cope when they do get back in and if they're still as good as they were a couple of years ago. We, we might turn our attention to the Toulouse Munster game. Keen, obviously, we'll, we'll touch a, maybe a little bit on Leinster Toulouse in, in a minute. But first, the Munster Toulouse game—what an occasion! What an atmosphere! Like you know, we talked last week about you know moving it out of Thomond Park. I still heard a couple of people saying, "Oh, maybe they would have won," you know, had they had it been there. But God, like the atmosphere was absolutely electric, and they've even said, "I don't see how you could have really topped it." But what stood out to you in terms of how Munster went about their business? It, it was such a close run effort that they almost you know took down that heavyweight team that we've been waiting for them to do
2: yeah like i've kind of heard this notion that it was another kind of classic valiant monster defeat and, and all this but i i don't think that was the case i think this was a different i think this was different to their previous uh, defeats at knockout stages p- purely because they had a go um i think their downfall was probably that they actually tightened up when they should have kept a foot in the throat uh which we can come on to but This was different. Uh, Like you said, the occasion, if if I could have been in the Aviva and Welford Road at the same time, it would have been ideal. And it was actually a pain because obviously the the penalties and extra time spilled over into the Leinster game. So you kind of have it on your your laptop. But the first half of the Leinster game was so good that you couldn't take your eyes off that either. But even before it... That was a real disaster, by the way. Sorry to cut across you. What an absolute...
1: Like whoever came up with that, but you're like sorry. Even the other, the La, the La Rochelle and Montpellier game on at the same time as Lens. Like, that was that's ridiculous. Carry on. Where honestly, that is have a look in the mirror moment. Like, what a what a what a blow up. Like, I would have been glued to every single game. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought it was crazy. Sorry to, to just to tally in that point. It was shocking scheduling.
2: But yeah, but just on it. They the the proper room that they normally use at welford road what wasn't in use i think for covid reasons or something so we were all kind of packed into this room that they call the classroom so they obviously do some sort of like lectures or classes they definitely don't do not do team meetings in there because it's tiny but they actually wheel the tv in and I'd never seen, I haven't seen one of them since I was in school or reminded oh, me of watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of watching the World Cup. You remember the, the football World Cup back in the day? So it was class, like everyone was absolutely glued to it. But then you had to go out and watch the Leinster match. But um, like you said, well, what an occasion. Um, They, like, like to be fair to Munster like they made it was a bit of a disaster obviously having to play the game at the Aviva now you can have the argument about the the money and all that that the province will make from the edge hearing gigs and all that but they turned a negative into a positive by you know the, the the tickets were affordable they ran 10 euro return buses and it did feel like the Munster of old just the occasion around it and it was just unfortunate that they fell short but Obviously, everyone's going to kind of focus on the penalty shootout and the missed drop goals, but they had their chances to win that the game in, in normal time um, and in, in in extra time as well. So um, I thought the Sinbin period in particular was interesting. I think Rory Arnold was firstly very lucky not to get sent off, I thought. Um, I don't know if you guys agree, but Munster, Munster won that 10 minute period 3-0, but it was Toulouse were playing all the rugby and the momentum was really shifting. They brought their bench off early. Like, I mean, when you're bringing Cyril boy, which by the way, like when I saw the teams, I was like, wow, that is such a statement to leave him on the bench, but it worked. And Malvaca off the bench was absolutely outstanding as well. So the tide was beginning to turn. And even though Munster scored the three points and Toulouse didn't score in that 10 minute period, I just felt like that was a big win for Toulouse. And they came back into it at the end. And, you know, the drop goal attempts, like, I just thought you needed to have a little bit more of a cool head. It's funny, like, we we discussed this last weekend about going for Craig Casey or Conor Murray, and, you know, hindsight is great, and this is a, a, an utter hindsight thing to say, but it was just, it was an ideal time, I think, for Conor Murray's kind of calmness there at those last kind of couple of phases, because it felt rushed, it felt rushed. Keely didn't seem like he was set for them, and Casey's passed like, out it, so... Yeah, can, that, I think th- Carbery
0: should Carberry have taken the drop goal. I, I've heard people make that argument that you yeah. know as the kind of more established out half, like fair enough that Healy's big boot kind of made it made sense to take on that one at the very end the penalty from the inside is on half but maybe should the drop goal should, should Carberry have kind of
2: demanded that he get in there? Maybe and this is something that we've discussed certainly around with with the Ireland the Ireland situation that he's just like for all of Joey Carberry's strengths and he has a lot of them he doesn't have, but he doesn't seem to have that kind of, you know, dogged spirit that like when we when we talk about it in terms of like trying to take the jersey off Johnny Sexton and perhaps that was, you know, another sign of it. Now, I don't know. Maybe they had discussed if that situation had arisen as well. But I just felt like, you know, Peter O'Mahony was off the pitch as well. And by the way, he was absolutely immense, like another outstanding game alongside Alex Kandelin, who I just think is a star in the making potentially a future monster captain. Um but I just felt like you needed a bit of a cool head there at the end because it was just a messy messy attempt to drop goal. I also kind of was watching the game back again yesterday and I picked out a moment in after 4 minutes of the first half of extra time. Anyone listening I kind of if they don't know what I'm talking about encourage them to go back and watch it. Munster had a three-man overlap on the left, and Damien D'Alende carries and then decides to kick it in behind. When he had three men, he had Chris Farrell, he had Joey Carberry and, and Simon Zebo on his outside. And if you put that ball through the hands, it's a try in the corner. Like Damien Di Allende is a lot of things. He, he kicked far too much, I thought. He, in that the, game. he was
1: crazy. He, a few he, terrible ones. Yeah. He's, not, yeah. he's yeah.
2: not a kicker. Like that. Like he's 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 got a lot of strengths, but you would say that kicking certainly isn't one of them. And he made an error kicking earlier in the season as well if I remember correctly but yeah like I said if anyone has the game back it's on YouTube just look back at the four minutes in first half of extra time it was butchered absolutely butchered and these are the fine margins that you're talking about at this level and I still think I still think the monster attack has you know a way to go and that's like blatantly obvious they've been playing really well in the last couple of weeks and they did play really well on Saturday but you can't just expect to kind of turn it on at the latter part of the season when you haven't been sticking to this kind of game plan as you went along. So that maybe came back to came back to haunt them in the end, but they'll be kicking themselves at that. I, I felt like that was a massive missed opportunity. I don't think this Toulouse team is as good as, as, as last year at all. Like there's, I don't know if it, the consensus in the, by a few kind of uh, grizzled hacks in English hacks in the press room, Welford road was that, you know, they're suffering a bit of a grand slam hangover and, Maybe that is the case because, like I said, I thought they were there for the take and I don't think they're as good as last year.
0: I actually just looked up that clip you were talking about. I, it kind of <laughs> my mind. It, it was actually, it was Isn't a, it? worse.
2: And you'd actually, because it was
0: a real, he just dribbles it about two feet and then like the Thomas Ramos. Got no, him. but he
1: kicked, he kicked one. He didn't kick it dead, but he kicked, but there was another great opportunity. I'm going to say, yeah. was, it the, was it the first half? Maybe he
2: he, he I think it was a, don't think it was a it went out it was thing. Chip
1: over the top. He would a few times, you're just like, what are you, that's that's not why, you, you're not here to do that.
2: Yeah, and it, it will, in that clip, you can see Chris Farrell with his hand outstretched. He's clearly calling for the ball. And you've got Carberry and Zebo there as well. Like, I, I, I just felt it's easy to kind of look at a young guy missing shots at goal in a penalty shootout or a drop goal. But that's one of your most experienced you know, guys, just put the ball through the hands and you score in the corner. I think it was Ramas was the defender he was left in no man's land, so that it was just a massive missed opportunity Do you know what though to to tie in the
1: the penalties and
2: the you know just after
1: half time and the um the one there was one early in the first half like you've gotta put them over again, like they're ones where Joey Carberry are kind of saying like. Like there's three, like at the end of the day, like, yeah, so Healy misses one on eight, but like, you know, whatever about that one, there's, you know, you're you're starting on half, like Sexton isn't missing any in Welford Road, you know, that kind of way, he's putting them to the sword, the ones that are there, that are kind of there to be kicked, you know, you have to kick them, you know, and I think, um not to be too harsh, but I think you do have to make those ones, like they were real heartbreakers after kind of, there was a period where I think, uh, particularly, I'm trying to look here at the fucking what minute it was, but there was a few where you're kind of saying, like, you know what? We were under the cosh for a little bit there. We're after getting a penalty. This would really be great to get three points here, you know? And But I the, think, the irony
2: of that, Luke, is though that Munster actually scored uh, tries off both of those misses shortly after. You I, know, I think, so... Uh,
1: yeah, but I don't think you can... I still feel like you can't... I don't think you should be thinking that way about them. I think you'll come back down the pitch anyway. Like, I don't think... You, like, you don't miss a penalty to go and put yourself in a good position. Like, they were in good positions as it were, as, as it were you know? And I think... Um, I think you've got to be nailing those kicks. I think you do. I think, I think you'll get other opportunities. I think Munster would have got those opportunities in the game uh, to score tries anyway, regardless of how they got there. I think they were going to like, I mean, if, if they came off missed penalties, I, I still believe you've got to nail those kicks. And I think they, you know, I, I think they tell and they, they hurt a team Um, at this point in the competition, you know, I think they'd have got the tries anyway. Um, you know, I think you kind of have to remove yourself about how you got there. Um, I don't think it was down to just look of uh, due due to missed penalties. B- being honest with you, so, um, yeah, no, I just I felt there there was a, it was it was a, a missed opportunity, very very similar to yourself. Um, pretty easy to say given they went out on a penalty kicking competition. In fairness, it was really close, but I think if you look at it as well, like they had twenty percent missed tackles. You know, that's not good enough either. That put massive pressure on them. Um. And I think you know we talk about for all the stuff we talk about monsters attack. I I still think in the big is a lot of the big games their defense has actually been found wanting. Weirdly enough, I know that's probably not a widely held view, but I think Leinster picked them apart uh, down in Thomond. I think when you know the good teams play against them, they generally pick them apart a bit defensively, um, and that certainly was the case for Toulouse. Uh, I know they had pressure on them at line, you know, at the scrum. Um, you know, and they wouldn't have got any missed tackles for that scrum, you know, for, for the, you remember the, 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 try they got from the scrum where pretty, pretty much everyone got sucked in, like that can happen, but they still defended it very poorly, but leaving that aside, they still missed 20% of their tackles. Like that's pretty, that's a, that's a big stat. Like I was watching the game thinking, mm, like, I don't think Toulouse are playing great here, but it looks like Munster missing lots of tackles. And it was interesting. I think it's 38 tackles. I'm just, I just checked it up there. That's way too many, you know? So um, I think if they look back at it, there's, there's lots of things that they can control. I think they need to be cautious about what they're reading and actually look at the stats and say, well, it's negative to say, you know, to, like you always want to be saying, Oh, we want to play the rugby, et cetera. And I thought they did that. You know, when they did that, that was the game they should have been playing. They should be moving that big Toulouse pack around. And when they did that it worked for them, but you have to defend correctly as well. I mean, they had 48% possession, um, you know, and in a big game, it's generally going to be close to 50, 50. In most cases, it means you've got to defend bloody well against the top teams from, from quarterfinals in, um so i thought that was kind of the losing of the game for them i think they didn't it's it's unsettling when your kicker isn't getting the, isn't isn't knocking them over the ones that they should be getting and and i thought they defended very poorly um for a team that should be good like it was it was guys that you're kind of saying mm, that's unusual for that person you know so um yeah that was my thoughts on on on, on the I suppose the reasons that they lost you know and what they'd be just, just to come in on the defensive uh, piece of it because you know they they
0: lost to Toulouse last year's competition as well and they conceded a lot of tries in Tone park they conceded 40 points that day and there was two tries on Saturday that were very similar like Matthias Lebel again his side set but like he killed JJ Hanahan last year out of nothing completely done Simon Zebo at the weekend and then similarly the Roman Entomac bouncing ball one, like, DuPont got a try towards the end of last year's game as well. Bouncing ball that, you know, a Munster player could definitely have probably made the tackle on Entomac at the weekend. I think it was DuPont last year. Keen, it's frustrating because it, it, the Labelle one as well, like, they would have probably been ve- well-versed, you'd imagine, on his sidestepping ability, what way he favours. But he's still... It was a great finish, now, to be fair. Yeah, you know, but... yeah like, I
2: was just, just going to say, before we criticise the defence, we should, like, because I'm a sucker for a set-piece try off first phase, and that was like stunning obviously it should have been stopped by the defense but like to get through that gap and it's probably you know luke is right i mean that didn't happen by choice so toulouse had you know identified that in pre-game as a weakness for munster at there was no tail gunner at the at the line out and then the footwork like you said will to beat simon Zebo. but yeah like i'd agree like you know defensively they they were a bit loose but um it still wasn't Toulouse at their brilliant best. Like I thought Munster did a really good job of, and we, this was something we had spoken about last week as well. And I think I had mentioned that, you know, it would be great to see Alice Kendall in playing seven, which I think is his best position. And I think that Munster could really send him after DuPont. And I think they did that really well. Um, like DuPont isn't playing anywhere near his best at the moment and when your best players aren't there they're, they're kind of there for the taking but I think if you're just to be positive for a second about Munster I think a lot of their young guys fronted up really well again Um, I know the scrum was a disaster and like to see the manner in which Toulouse were winning scrum penalties against the head was just alarming and like I don't know how many times we've been banging on about this on, on this podcast, and I've certainly been doing it in print. Like Munster need reinforcements in that front row. Uh, I thought a guy like Josh Witcherly he played really well again, and I don't know if all the pressure was coming on his side. I actually think it was the, the tight head side is really the the issue, and you know they've got a couple of young guys coming through. Like John Ryan is going to Wasps at the end of the season, and Stephen Archer is still battling away, but. I they've got Keenan Knox and Roman Salanoa coming through and they're still young guys, but they haven't really featured in kind of any of the big games. They're still sticking with John Ryan and Stephen Archer. And my honest opinion is that you're not winning a Heineken cup with those two, with those two lads as great servants as they've been. Uh, I just don't think you're winning a Heineken cup. I think like the game has moved on and you've got to scrummage and you've got to be able to play ball around the pitch as well. So I think that's a major, major weakness of Munster, which like I haven't heard like if they're in the market for a tight head. I don't know if the funds are there. They've obviously got new coaching staff coming in. They're going to cost money. They've signed two centers ahead of next season, which is interesting. Whereas I really think they need to be looking at the tight head side. Um, and even Hooker potentially as well. So um they have they have issues, but I like I said, I think the Young guys coming through, Thomas Ahern came on and I thought he had a good impact. He'd a brilliant line out steal. Um, like John Hodden is playing really well this season. They've Gammon Coombs still to come back. And like I said, Ken Kendellin I just think is is probably the best uh, to pick out of a bunch of the young Monster players coming through at the moment. So we obviously had the podcast before it was confirmed last week last week that Mike Prendergast is coming in as a TAC coach. Dennis Leamy is on the way as far as I know, and it sounds like Andy Kiriakou from the Academy is going to be promoted as well. So there's certainty around the makeup of the, the coaching staff. I think a lot of supporters have every right to be excited about the makeup of this uh, coaching staff. I think you can see that there's been a reconnection between the the Munster fans like you saw that last weekend and look they still have a lot to play for from now to the end of the season i think it's good that they they'll they'll be really happy that they don't have a game i think this weekend obviously they would much prefer to be playing in a champions cup semi-final against leinster but just to kind of refocus the minds because they're obviously playing leinster on saturday week which is going to be a massive game and if if leinster win this weekend or even if they don't they're going to make changes for that game because they've already got the the top spot secured um so yeah, like there's a lot still to be played for. I think like Munster really need to be getting a home quarter final at the minimum and potentially like they like they really need to be trying to get a home semi-final as well. So there's still a trophy up for grabs as bloody hard as it's going to win, particularly when you look at how well the South African teams are playing. They need to kind of pick themselves up and go again because they've done a lot of good things in the last few weeks that I think will set them up well for a big finish. Yeah, hopefully
0: they don't have the same sort of hangover Ulster had after their disappointing defeat to Toulouse where they went out the following week and didn't really perform against Munster. So in terms of Leinster-Toulouse then, Luke, how significant do you think that extra time period will be, if if at all, in terms of giving maybe Leinster a slight advantage? As you said, they may or they had maybe the luxury of making a couple of changes in the second half against Leicester and getting some of the key guys off a bit earlier, whereas Toulouse had to kind of go foot to the floor for 100 minutes they have to come back over to Dublin then next weekend. You know, is that a kind of a firm advantage
1: in Leinster's favour, do you think? I do, yeah. I think it is. Um, I think um, that would have taken it out of them, like Munster did. It was a very physical game, I thought. I thought Munster... Yeah, sorry, I feel like I might have been a little bit overly negative, but I definitely think they were the two... I just wanted to mention why I think they, they lost the game. Um, I thought they were brilliant, and, you know, all, all credit to them. And I thought... agree with everything Keen says in terms of, you know young guys stepping up and the senior guys stepping up as well i thought it was a, it was a brilliant performance by by uh, by everyone um you know barring a few little errors i think um Toulouse will be tired after that thought they moved them around well at times um you could see them trying to slow the game down when there was kickoffs from you know goal line kickoffs there was guys walking back into place after kind of 18 19 minutes and um, there is a blueprint there for Leinster to kind of play a similar game. And it'll be interest, interesting to see if they can back it up so quickly. I'd suggest that they're probably used to it given the league format that they play. But I think this still will be played at a different pace to what they're normally used to. I think they'll get the, the, this kind of pace of a game. Yes, more regularly towards the end of the season in France due to the weather. Um, but I don't think there's actually many teams that, that can play at the same pace that Leinster can play in that league. There's one or two maybe on a day but generally speaking, uh, this will be a tough ask for them from a fitness perspective. Now, the challenge for Leinster is going to be on the other side. Well, if Toulouse slow it down, if there's guys going down injured, et cetera, which they did for, for periods in that month's year, I thought they did it quite well, actually. Um, and they have a 6-2 split on the bench. You'll know what kind of game they're going to try and play. And they still have whatever we say about, you know, Dupont being quiet, you know, and, and, and Entomac and he's a they can still break up a game very, very quickly in a moment. And that's all they need. Um, even against Leinster, who I think are probably better defensively than, than Munster. Um, so there are the challenges. Can you, can you stay switched on? Can you not give DuPont, you know, a moment? Um, he hasn't had many of late really, but I think he's still very capable. He had a few against Ireland. Like he's still a big game player. He's still at the moment against Ulster, I suppose, over two legs. Um you know, and I thought Entomak had some beautiful moments th- throughout that game against Munster. Like he's such a classy player, uh, and both of them are kind of both of them are actually reasonably physical guys. They get stuck in. I quite like watching them play that. Like they 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 don't shirk away from that. So look, the point is that it's a massive challenge, and can you deal with? You know, if if it, if it is a slower game, if they manage to slow it down, can you deal with that weight? Can you deal with those? Like I I I'd, I'd suggest that they'll play to their strengths and they'll go with another six, two split on the bench. Again, I think they'll try and put that power game on Leinster, uh, try and get the ball, you know, out into touch and, you know, mauling that Leinster team. I'd say they'll try and if it's messy and there's lots of scrums, I, I could see them being happy with resets. I could see them being slow, you know, keeping it in there, just wearing you down from, from that perspective. And on the other foot, Leinster will have to try and speed it up you know if guys are injured like get them up off the ground quickly I thought Munster a little bit slow at times when they had them on the rack Um, you know players going down injured and I know it sounds like a harsh thing but at times you've got to try everything to try and speed up a game against these guys And, and that's the that's where I think both teams will try and do and I think it suits the way they play so interesting to see who can impose their own strategy on the opposite team because I don't know about you guys but this is going to be a fascinating fixture. I think this is I I, I think it'll be really difficult for, for Toulouse to turn them out to turn Leinster over. I think Leinster still have enough um have enough bulk uh, in the pack to deal with, with Toulouse. Um but I think what, you know, the, the all-round play of Leinster, the, the you know, the forwards and the backs combined, that kind of 15-man rugby, they're difficult to contain. And I also think they've got a better kicking game than than Leinster. Even though I didn't think they kicked brilliantly against uh, against uh, Leicester, it's a pretty tight pitch over there. I think in the Aviva or wherever they're playing, I think it'll be um Leinster are very difficult to uh, to to contain in a kicking game like Sexton's is is pinpoint accurate. Uh, and I thought there was actually even though Munster I thought kicked it a little bit too much there were still good opportunities to expose them in the backfield at times they were a little bit loose there I think Leinster will, will see a few more of those opportunities and take them as well so I'm back in Leinster for a win in it but I think it'll be very hard fought and yet yeah, to lose off a very tough uh you know a tough you know with the extra time and that they will be tired but I still think uh you know very tough to turn over but Leinster will have enough I think
0: yeah, King. like, it's an interesting one. Like, when I look at Toulouse, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I think I said this last week but before the Munster game as well, that they're not as good as last year, I don't think. You know, if you even look at their results in this tournament, like, they were beaten pretty comprehensively by Wasps in the pool stages. They lost to Ulster. Now, I, I know there was a man sent off. They only drew it with Munster, ultimately. I know they went through, but they only drew the game. And Munster, were missing a number of key players. Ty Byrne, Gavin Coombs, to name two key guys in the pack, Dave coin as well. Yeah. And, like, it is a tough turnaround, like, in terms of, you know, after an extra-time game, coming back to the Aviva where Leinster are so strong. Leinster are going to be, you know, the, those key guys who took the two weeks off will be a lot better for that game last week. I actually think there's a kind of a scenario where Leinster could win their 7th, 10 points, you know, if, if it gets a he- away from to lose Like, the semi-final, maybe in 2019, where it was close in the first half, but Leinster just kind of turned on the style and maybe kicked on. Am I, am I kind of a bit overconfident there from a Leinster perspective?
2: No, you're probably saying similar things that I said about the Leicester game last week and, and they came through. Like, I mean, I think like you're right to be confident because like, you know, acknowledge again that this is basically the Ireland team that you're watching and they're playing so well. And like I said earlier on, their conditioning is just so impressive for this stage of the season. Like just on Toulouse and the kind of point you're we making, with they've only won two games that they've actually played in 80 minutes. And one of them was against Cardiff. Like it's... It's kind of it's bizarre, really, just at the, the format. And you know what, Lenzer and Leo Cullen like were really, really pissed off that you know, the manner of the 28 nil walkover that they had to give. And that's ultimately how they ended up in Welford Road. And I go back to what I said about, you know, them getting tested in the second half, maybe being a blessing in disguise. I think playing that game in Welford Road is a blessing in disguise as well. And now that they've come through it, because I think it's an ideal stepping stone into this game this weekend. And Leo Cullen and the, co- and the coaches, Stuart Lancaster, are definitely fed up of people like me asking them about, you know, the physicality question. Have you kind of closed the gap? And this is the test. I I didn't think last week was going to be that proper kind of heavyweight, top-level European pack, but this is, and like Luke says, I'd, I'd be shocked as well if they don't go for the 6-2 split off the bench. So like the, the big question is over this game, have Leinster closed that gap that they were kind of fell short in against like Saracens and La Rochelle over the last couple of years? And you'd have to say a couple of key factors in that would suggest that they definitely narrowed it. I think we'll, we'll find out if they've, if they've closed it properly, but you look at Andrew Porter switching to said, you look at Ronan Kelleher and now you have Dan Sheehan, who, by the way, um, you know, I was saying how, when you're at the game, you can see the conditioning like you can appreciate more when you're like at the Aviva, you're, you're up really high, but at Welford Road, you're really close. And, um, we haven't really spoken to any Irish players uh, across the board in person since over the last couple of years. It's all been on Zoom like this. But after the Leicester game, the press conferences were in person. Well, it wasn't even a press conference; just an old school interview. But Dan Sheehan was um, put up for interview just with a couple of us who travelled over, lads. Like I know people say, "Oh, he's he's a big hooker," but like I was couldn't believe how how much of a unit this fella is standing next to him I'm not the tallest uh, person in the world <laughs> but so I'm like I'm not a good judge but honestly like I was like whoa this fella this fella is enormous so that makes a big difference as well particularly when you've got Petra Malvaka coming off the bench as well who is a key player for Toulouse will probably start for any other team so you look at how well Josh van der Freer is playing um, like I, I know we've spoken about length it's always, almost become a cliche now but his ball carrying has gone to a new level and that's a key part of this Leinster game plan as well and I also think Jameson Gibson Park is playing super, super rugby now he's being helped by you know the work that the pack are doing but the speed like he's key to the tempo that Leinster will need to play at this weekend and yeah I, I just think they have more weapons now um than they had in the last couple of years and now it's probably just about proving that they have and I I think you, you can't you can't underestimate how how hard it's going to be for Toulouse uh, it's not just the kind of the physical kind of tiredness that they'll have but mentally as well to have been taken through that penalty shield that even though you'd have to say that the, the likes of DuPont and Entomac in Ramos they were just so cool weren't they in that penalty shootout particularly DuPont I know he had the kicks from in front but I was watching we had a little chat with Conor Murray when the two when the two lads were kind of waiting for others to kick so um another point that Luke Luke made that I couldn't agree with more they they might not be at their best but all they need is a sniff and we saw that against Ulster uh, particularly in the the second leg in Belfast again Toulouse weren't at their best but they gave DuPont a sniff and he just turns it on and it's really interesting actually that they've now, it's almost come, come part of their game plan that they're moving him to 10 in the second half and, and putting Entomac into 12. So that's something really interesting as well because I actually thought when he did go to 10 last week, he kind of found, a li- obviously he had a bit more space than he had so close into the ruck. But um, yeah, like I would, be, I would be fairly optimistic as well that Leinster will have too much for Toulouse. I think everything is stacked in their favor. Like I said, they've had that tough test last week in Welford Road. Now they're back at home and they're bloody difficult to beat at the Aviva and um, they're very, very tough to, 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 beat there. Like the players know it, like the back of their hand, they won't have any kind of um, waterlogged pitches or dressing rooms to worry about uh, this weekend. Um, so yeah, i be, I think your optimism is well-placed. Uh, Will, I, I'd pretty much agree with you actually. I think, I think Leinster could, could win it by seven to 10 maybe as well. Yeah. It's our first kind of full house European Knockout of EVA game, I think, since that
0: Toulouse semi final in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm pretty sure COVID is all the games since then have been kind of knockout wise, have been in COVID periods where there hasn't been many supporters there at all. Just before we finish up, Luke, you know, it was announced today for next season the last 16 second legs are no more. Oh, one (laughs) and done. They're going to just do a last sixteen quarters and then a semi in a final, so there'll be one less game to to ultimately win the the
1: Champions Cup. Are you disappointed that they've cut the two legs? I am. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was. Um, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were kind of intriguing. Um, and like some teams are so much better at home than they are uh, away. Um, and I kind of you know watching teams like kind of chasing, chasing the chasing the chasing a game in the second leg or you know a team trying to stay in touch you know in in the first game i kind of i i just thought it was it was amazing like there was one or two blowouts but you're going to get them either way i just felt like i liked having more rugby at this level because i just think it's such a good competition um now i think we probably might have been a few doubts lingering doubts probably from covid about uh, you know what what shape this competition is going to take what 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 place in our minds does it occupy I think it's back to that place that I've always, that kind of high esteem that I've always held this competition in. Uh, I felt the, the the two legs actually added to that. I thought it was brilliant. So uh, a bit of a shame that it's that it's it's going. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I think there's probably, look, are they trying to get that club t- competition off the ground in the, you know, is it late summer maybe? Um you know, maybe that's a reason why. Maybe they don't want to have a uh, you know that 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 one more game and that because they think they're going to get it on the other side
2: uh, in that competition. But um feels like a shame to scrap it so quickly. Yeah, Keen, what's your thoughts? To be honest, I'm less disappointed about that the two legs are gone, but I'm more disappointed that uh, we're not just gone back to the normal format of the pool stages. Like I like I've said this before in the pod. Like I'm just more of a traditionalist. I like the. The pool stages um and they're, they're obviously cut short again this time and it's you know and you have that the, the way it's set up now it's just a little bit harder to follow than what it was back in the day i just think like they shouldn't have changed it and just to like i was funny i was reading um a french publication over the last uh, yesterday i think it was and so obviously there's three french teams in the semi-finals as we're probably mentioning the other semi-final too in a sec but um they're kind of their their question that they were posing was um is this a bad thing for French rugby because they haven't secured their top 14 playoff spots yet? And I was going, wow, like, you know, that just kind of shows where the the French mindset still is at. I think Ron Nogara coming into La Rochelle has done an unbelievable job because he's kind of probably changed that mindset a little bit that, you know, the Champions Cup is kind of massive, but... In France, the the Bouclier is still it's still the one that, that 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 they all want to win. And I was kind of not surprised, but I was a bit like, you know, they were almost looking at it negatively that there was three French teams in and they're competing on two fronts now. So um yeah, I think it'll be interesting and like there's plenty of Irish interest in the in the second semi-final between La Rochelle, obviously you have Ron Nogar and Donika Ryan in, fo- in the forwards coach, who's probably someone who's gone under the radar a little bit this season, probably because Raj gets all the headlines. So it um, be interesting to see that and you, how good are that La Rochelle pack as well. And obviously they're going up against Racing and Munster fans will be watching them even closer now just to see the nuances of their attack with Mike Prendergast coming in. So um, I actually fancy, actually it's funny, like La, La Rochelle are... Racing have run into the same problem as munster did because they have a concert in la Défense arena this weekend so they can't use that which like and park in a very different type of stadium but i think that gives a massive advantage to uh to lara um, they're playing the game in Lons; they're not even playing it in paris so very similar to what munster had to do last week but i fancy lara shell i don't know but what, what would you guys agree yeah, it's an interesting one.
0: I feel like we've gotten for the second, you know, we, we've gotten the best four teams in Europe. I think. I think this is is without a doubt. Like last year, we had three of the four. Racing missed out because they lost a quarter final against Bordeaux, and they had a lot of injuries in the week before and and didn't play very well, so they were edged out. But I think Luke, we've gotten the top four teams. Like it is very interesting to look at the other side. Like. Even if Leinster do beat Toulouse, it's going to be a very difficult final against Rassinger-La Rochelle, two heavyweight teams. And then it's going to be in Marseille as well. So I know neither team are from Marseille, but it does favor the French just to be playing on home soil. I think generally, you know, I remember when Leinster played Clermont in the semi-final. I think it was in Bordeaux, was it? Not Clermont's home stadium, but it was still a very intense atmosphere.
1: Yeah, tough place to go, France, anytime you're, you're playing a French team there. So yeah, and you'd expect... Um, you know, well, sorry, certainly La Rochelle will get, you know, the, you know, whoever the whoever is is available to for for selection from a supporter's perspective, like that's a rugby mad town. Uh, Racing, you know, as you say, I think you know, moving from La Défense is probably that is a little bit of a, a bit of a challenge for them. I don't think their support is as embedded, say, as uh, La Rochelle, a Toulouse, a Clermont, those kind of teams. So yeah, I think it does take away something from them that they're not in their home stadium. Um and look if Lencer do get through and we are looking ahead but um it is a massive challenge and we they will be backing up if they can do it i think they'll have to go they, like they'll have brid- they'll have to have bridged some of the gaps that we saw over the last couple of years to get the job done um I would agree with Kean's points earlier on around them having bridged that gap to a certain extent. I still feel the row is an area where, and they obviously feel the same way about it. Uh, some of the younger guys have probably not been given an opportunity as of yet. And some of them are leaving some of the bigger guys. You're going to say, that guy's a pretty big, pretty big fella. He might be, he might fill the void. They obviously don't think the likes of Don is, is for them for whatever reason. He looks like a big kid to me and a good athlete. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I still feel like that, that is going to be a challenge over the next couple of weeks because they're playing against some monstrous backs. So, yeah, the challenge is massive. I think they're capable. I think they... they, they what I said last year about it, I still think they defended poorly enough against uh, La Rochelle. Um, I think you need to defend you know, on the front foot against them. You can't let them come on to you, uh, these big ball carriers. And I think you know, they need to remember what they're good at too. You know, you can get caught up trying to be something that you're not. Um, Like Leinster, and I, and I think to some respects, Munster had it at times against Toulouse last week. Play at pace. Like even that kind of one-out passing, you know, like if you look at the Munster tries in the first half, like there was no excuse for, for Toulouse being, like they got bullied in the tight exchange at the start of the game. Um, When, when Munster took it at them close to the line, they couldn't contain them. Like, and, and Irish teams are really, really good at that. Leinster particularly, even against, you look at Leicester, look at where some of the tries came from. Fast play, aggressive carries, using threes, attacking little spaces, you know, little tip on passes. Our, our packs are very mobile, very physical and very, very fit. I think their strengths, I think, yes, of course, you need to be able to compete in those slower moments, possibly, you know, but I, I think they're well able to do that. And I think you can take the wind out of their sails by playing at pace. Keep the ball in hand. Don't Don't worry about being in your own half so much at, at times keep the ball in play i think that's what's that that's the strength that the irish teams have i don't think we're ever going to be as big as those french teams we're not going to be spending we don't we're not going to have 10 15 million quid budgets we're just not going to have it um so we need to know what what's what kind of game plan suits us and i think you can get caught up trying to be something that you're not and i hope they don't do that i hope they they they, they do enough and that they impose themselves in, in terms of their own strengths on, on you know hopefully to lose and they get through that but in the final if they get there too
0: well, it's out to be an absolutely cracking semifinal weekend. But for now, Key and Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, lads. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We will be back next week with another podcast looking back on the Champions Cup semi-finals. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.